0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. But Kevin, this is probably going to be my favorite show that we do until the next time these guys are on because I have with me my best friend since high school and another of my closest friends since college on with me today to recap the NBA Finals and the bubble. And that would be Scott Amanquadia and Harvey Thank
1: you for having us on, man. Really do appreciate it.
0: No, this is the like I said, it's gonna be my favorite show and we're we're gonna rock out. How how we feeling this morning, boys?
1: I'm
2: excited. Yeah, no, I think this is uh this would be a good group. It shows like back in back in PA when we're around uh around the bar watching some NBA, so I'm I'm excited.
1: I uh I just woke up an hour ago, but and I'm
0: so- <laughs> <laughs> i am mean that, that that that's what that, that's the fireside podcast all about, right. that, that i want this to be if bill simmons can be as successful as he is having his friends on the podcast why can't we do the same thing over at draft deeper so that's what we're gonna do um yeah. now we're recording this on sunday morning october 18th before an insane slate of football that i know we'll all be watching later but That's not quite what we're here to talk about. Now, all season long, we have discussions about the NBA calendar year, who we're picking to win it all, the best players, awards, you name it. We're probably talking about it on one space or another, be it a Zoom call or just in our text thread. So it's only fitting I have you both on with me to put to bed the elongated 2019-2020 NBA season. Um, I kind of wanted to start. By just getting your thoughts in the open here on the league pulling off, obviously the most successful restart in professional sports. How how long the bubble was going zero positive COVID tests. That is absolutely remarkable. Even when we thought the bubble was going to be burst by our friends like Lemon Pepper Lou, we 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 absolutely kept it down. And 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 I, I again, what Adam Silver's done, what the league has done, is to be commended on the most. So. Um, Scott, I'll start with you. What what were kind of your thoughts on the restart and the bubble from a logistical standpoint?
2: Yeah, I thought the the restart actually went really well. Um, I thought, you know, after that initial meeting with uh, just kind of like the the leaders, uh, you know, like Chris Paul LeBron and and, and all that, and they started getting the ball rolling. I thought it it went really, really smoothly. You know, besides that huge hiccup where I thought the Clippers and Lakers just weren't about to play. Uh, and the Jacob Blake stuff, uh, you know, killing was, was or it was uh, Jacob Blake shooting. You know, that's, that's where it was really scared that, you know, we might just not have the bullet at all anymore and that it was pop. But um, other than that, with a logistical standpoint, it sounded, uh, I think it just went as, as well as it possibly could and no positive cases. So that's, you know, that's a good sign.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that point was, was definitely a moment where like, are we actually going to have a completion of the playoffs or are we actually going to stop play when you have the two favorite contenders by Vegas in the Clippers and the Lakers, as you pointed out, ready to just kind of stop everything and, and, and take everybody out of the bubble, um, especially with LeBron just walking out of a meeting like he did. I, I know there were some thoughts that, that people had that he was a little bit condescending on some of the younger players in terms of their, their mm. approach and, and how they were trying to handle everything. I know that was certainly a, a little bit of a watershed moment for everybody to kind of just sit back and say, "Whoa, what's going on here? But yeah, Mike, what what were kind of some of your thoughts about that? I know, I know you definitely have a few.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we have to, we have to, for, for the listeners, we have to, I just noticed you called me Mike. So we have to disclose that Mike <laughs> as, a, as a nickname that I've adopted <laughs> over many years. And this is what this man, Nate knows me as and that's that's fine i don't want to we 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 said
0: this was a fireside podcast so if i'm sitting here like i'm a little dazed and drunk calling you mike you got to call me out on that one but yes it's okay harford hobson accomplished author right (laughs) mike i was gonna you you can definitely plug at the end but harford hobson accomplished author so yes, Harford, your thoughts please.
1: Yeah, we just don't want to confuse anybody. Thank you. No, um, no, no. The, <laughs> no, the bubble the no the bubble is crazy though. I I think what was I think the most interesting thing about it and what was and maybe I mean there will be I mean speaking about me being an author, it's funny because I wonder if there'll be I wonder the stories that will come out about the bubble. Like there'll be so many untold stories and unspoken secrets, et cetera, et cetera, that like that happened. Like inside of that, you know, it, that took place in like in those hotels and whatnot, and like, you know, obviously like lemon pepper Lou. <laughs> That's like right, like you like like you and, like, <laughs> like you and Nate, so like like Scott and Nate talked about. It's like how like psychological the bubble became over like as this as this little mini season restart happened. I think will like it'll go down like like I like ESPN needs to do a thirty for thirty on the bubble like oh that's a the, guarantee they, That's yeah, a like they, somebody on the inside I don't know I mean you're wrapped up in like in the in, in like big in the journalists and whatnot like what were the like was was Woj like in the bubble heavy like who are the like who are the, the who are the journalists in the bubble Do well Woj, Woj
0: kind of doesn't have to be in the bubble neither technically does Shams I mean they're gonna get their they're gonna get their pieces no matter where they are because they just have contacts with literally everyone you can think of in the league mm-hmm. um but some of like the more hard-hitting journalists that were in the bubble. Obviously, Rachel Nichols was there for for quite a lot of it. She didn't start there for ESPN, but I mean, Mark Spears was pretty much there for a lot of it. He's another one of the heavy hitters. So there, there sure. definitely sure, sure. were some some story breakers there, not not just like long-form journalists. Like Mark Spears, absolutely breaks some stuff. Um, I, I'd have to I'd have to look back at some of the other um more prominent news that were in the bubble but by the time the playoffs really got rolling a, a lot of the big names did um head down there i know espn based the jump out of there rachel was able to do a lot of her show out of there but even even some of the people who weren't directly in the bubble like a woge like like um who, who else am I thinking of here? Like a Brian Windhorse. Like some of these people who are constantly breaking stories. A- everyone's still telling them what's going on. And I would not be surprised in the slightest of like we get like a Windhorst, like a Ramona Shelburne piece at some point of, of some of everything that happened inside the bubble, especially Ramona Shelburne is so linked with L.A. sports um she she has to have some clipper stuff that's going to come out at 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 some point like you said maybe maybe instead of just a bubble 30 for 30 expose we just need a los angeles clippers expose from from everything that happened that that, (laughs) that was breaking down there nate
3: speaking speaking of the clippers have you seen all the news that's come out like in the past few days about how apparently quiet doesn't even live in la he lives in san diego he got to control his own load management like he could just not come to practice if he wanted to
0: Oh, it's yeah, coming. Yeah. There, there are a lot of stories that are that are coming out, and um, a lot of the, the players who are there, like Lou, like Montrezl Harrell, um, guys who are, are known to be those those gritty underdog-type players who came together with the Clippers and kind of gave that team that get-it-out-the-mud mentality— we're, we're going to fight no matter what. We're always going to be the underdogs, but in the end, we're going to find a way to win. And then you bring in two superstars who are going to want that preferential treatment, like a Kawhi. Now, I don't think as much, Paul George, but definitely Kawhi. Obviously, we wait, need. Wait, wait, Nate. Yeah, you, you
3: said two superstars. Who's the second one?
0: Oh, here we go, Kevin. That's that's not for the <laughs> that's pod. That's right. That's right. That, that's not for the pod. We're we're not going to slander playoff P on this pod. <laughs>
1: Oh, come I'm on, come on, Harford. Go
0: ahead. Get your thoughts in there. I know you got some thoughts. You, you, you and Scott. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to I get the Paul George it, conversation out of the way. Go ahead.
1: I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Neither of us needs to be abusive, especially me. I've we've had private conversations about this. Right. He is who he is. George Paul. He will be who he who he will be who he, who he is in the playoffs. Is why when the Clippers signed him, and everybody were everybody was picking the, the Clippers to be title contenders. That was that was my only hesitation about it. I was like, he will not like he'll be great in the regular season, but I did not expect him to show up in the postseason. And he didn't again. So um I mean Paul George is like I like I respect this game and I respect I respect who he is and I respect what he's done season after season. I respect him going head to head against LeBron in Indiana, be it with him and and who, Roy Hibbert. Like the the man, like like man's paid his dues, but like but. <laughs> He's paid his dues over the years, but I, yeah, he, he just, he is who he is. And like, they, I don't even know if they like, my thoughts on the matter is like, it wasn't a, I, the, the Clippers situation is like, I I wish there was like a, I wish there were, I wish they could do a, a like a Shakespeare tragedy play about the, <laughs> about the Clippers restart season, because that's <laughs> what it was. They were a tragedy. The, <laughs> and, I really felt bad that I felt like they made Doc the scapegoat and I wish they had it. I, it's like, if I was me, I was like, I know Colin said this, but like it, 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 it would be a little bit too drastic probably, but it's like, what do you do? What do you, do you get this again from Paul George next year? Do you move off? Of, so, so do you move off from then? I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I,
2: I agree with that. What was so disconcerting for me was when that post game uh, interview, and Paul George says, "You know, I don't think this is championship or bus year for us." I mean that. I mean that just makes no sense, especially when you sign a two year deal. So, uh, incredibly talented. I know you've defended him so many times, Nate. I respect you for for going to bat for for boy PG over and over again. But um, I don't know, man, guys. What, what shocked me the most was just how bad. Lou Will and Monsters Harrell were, especially in that Denver series. It's just, I just don't know if you really can go forward with them. I mean, you just need a, I mean, you just need a bigger body, right? For, uh, for AD and, and Jokic. So I, I just, I just don't think the Clippers were as, were constructed as well as, as we thought they were. So
0: I just think they were out of sync. I just, yeah. I just, I absolutely think they were out of sync. Like when, when you, when you remove yourself from play for that long, then finally get back into practice to rebuild that chemistry with your guys. And then at that point you're you're having to, to exit that situation and come back in for a second time. There, there there's just there, there comes a point where at the end of the day you can't flip the switch like that without the chemistry built in, especially on defense, right? Like this right. it's just not right. going to happen. And I think that unfamiliarity with each other at that point in time what was really killed them. Now now we talk about Paul George. I I've gone to bat for him so many times. I still will.
2: Yeah, thing, we'll,
0: we'll, <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get into Jimmy Butler later in this pod, but he he probably edged out the Paul dog. George. Yeah, he probably edged out Paul George in my Pro- top Probably at this point. Right. <laughs> All right, Kevin. All right, Kevin. <laughs> what, what I was going to say was that shot at the side of the backboard was pretty damning for for for. George Paul, Paul George, Uh, Playoff P. That's not going to leave a good taste in anyone's mouth. Um, And neither did that comment, Scott. I'm glad you mentioned that comment because this is a draft-oriented podcast. This is a player developmental podcast, first and foremost. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have conversations about the NBA and what's going on in the league and current events because it's important that we still follow the league as a whole. We still analyze the league, especially from a, a young Players' perspective, and then we can kind of take a look at the veterans and some of the lessons that we might be able to learn from them. Because that's where all these young players want to go, right? They want to end up in the league. That's the kind of basketball and lifestyle that they want to emulate. So it's still important that that we talk about that, even on a draft podcast. It can't just be about the prospects and evaluating skills and talent. It's, it's looking at the sport as a whole and seeing what kind of lessons can be learned and emulated from. And, and that point that you made, Scott, about that comment. That's a great thing to take away because while there is truth to what he said in terms of normally when you bring big pieces in like that, you're you're usually not winning a championship that very first year. And that's why what the Lakers have done this year, what was actually remarkable in that sense, because if you think about it, LeBron led like a completely new Lakers team, even with a, a new big shiny piece coming in in Anthony Davis they didn't have that familiarity and that chemistry with one another from a previous year or previous few years, they came in and they got the job done just knowing that they have the leadership in place to be able to to play off of and trust in terms of game planning, in terms of uh, what they wanted to do defensively, how they were going to approach film study and sit down with each other and, and focus from that perspective with guys like LeBron and Frank Vogel there. I mean, having that leadership is huge and I'm not downplaying Doc Rivers as I mentioned with, with Jacob for our listeners on our, from our last pod who got to listen to that with Jacob Birkinshaw from the Overstated NBA show. I really like the Doc hire because I think he's he's a mature grown up who's going to come in and hold players accountable at the very least and I don't think it's a question of, of talent with Philly. Not to get on too much of a tangent re- regarding Philly because that's not what we're here to do. We'll save that conversation for a different day. But he's going to at least come in and hold people accountable. I think for the most part he did with the Clippers. But at, at the same time, just rebuilding that chemistry on such short notice you you can't you you can't flip that switch without consistency throughout the year. And they just they they didn't have that. And part of that's coming from Kawhi sitting out games and and not knowing when he was going to play or not play. And, and and Harford, I know you you had some thoughts about that through throughout the year the the Kawhi sitting not sitting stuff. Um, where where are you kind of at on that? Because that sounds like we're all coming to a consensus that it, it really was just chemistry and, and and they were a little arrogant. They thought they could flip the switch and they couldn't. I really
1: mm, that's a good question. The load the load management really doesn't bother me that much because I feel like Kawhi put himself in a position where I feel like he's earned to do that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially what he did with Toronto last year because it was just like there were a lot of folks around the league that were just like that were ready to, that had crowned him you know what I mean like Kawhi here you know he has dethroned LeBron or KD whoever's your one currently yeah. Um, my thing is though yeah they did I feel like it was in the end it was like it really was it was just like it was the arrogance it was the arrogance thing that kind of that kind of led to their downfall. And like, I'm really looking forward to the stories that come out of that locker room because there are more and more stories that I've heard, at least from the other pundits who talk about it, that they didn't, they came in just from purely from an athletic standpoint, somebody like Kawhi came, a superstar came in and they made all sorts of accommodations for Kawhi that they didn't give to the other role players like Trez, like you know what I mean? Like Trez, like Lou, et cetera, et cetera. These guys who before they didn't have a superstar, uh, they what did they stretch I forget what year that was that last year they stretched uh Golden State to six?
0: Yeah, that was or that was year last before.
1: year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that, that it's just like that resentment and that overall it's just like that resentment combined with the fact that like that Kawhi is not like this is another conversation, but that like the fact that this playoffs gave us a real, like a very real and graphic look at Kawhi, at the difference between a Kawhi and a LeBron. Whereas LeBron is a galvanizer, and Kawhi doesn't have that yet. He 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 might. I mean, he is what he is at this point, and I think he could develop it, you know, to end his career maybe. But like he is, like he is not like a you know he's not vocal. He's not like a a, a rah rah guy, and I don't. Like the leadership thing is just like I don't know if the Clippers had that because they did they they damn sure didn't listen to Doc so it was like who 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 is it gonna be and they were looking at Kawhi and Kawhi Kawhi is gonna do what Kawhi does like he's gonna eat you know what I mean
0: <laughs> but isn't isn't that why you run it back another year isn't that why you bring everybody back to to truly figure out what you have from from a leadership standpoint. In, in terms of the players around you, what you could build from a chemistry standpoint, kind of as as Paul George uh, alluded to, and and we can certainly talk about um, some of the the what you shouldn't say at a microphone at a press conference from from this bubble between what Michael Porter Jr. said uh, about COVID to the comment that that Paul George made that we're critiquing now. There were certainly some lef- lessons to be learned for the for those younger players. Um, taking notice of what was going on in the bubble in terms of what not to say um, at a press conference. But I think for just looking at it from the outside, and there's a lot from the inside that we don't know um, that hasn't come out yet, that we're not around that team every day, that locker room. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But just from some, from, from three guys outside looking in, I feel like there's still a lot for that team or there could have been, for that team to accomplish, and I think that still can be just because they change at the coach. I don't think we need to have these conversations about major and and, and drastic roster changes because I think there still could be a lot um, to to be accomplished. I think that's why you run it back, Scott.
2: I, I mean, I, you know, just just going back to you know earlier. I mean, you, you run it back, but but again, I mean, who do you trust? So I mean, to get out of the West, you're gonna need a big body, right? To guard AD or Jokic. Uh, doubling Jokic was a death sentence uh, in the second round. So, I mean, do you trust Zubac? So, I'm, I, I definitely understand about running it back, but I just think that you need, you at least need to tweak the roster and get a, a, a better, you know, big body there. And then also, you know, you hear stuff about the Clippers being interested in Rondo and you know, wanting a point guard. Granted, I, I thought they were able to initiate offense well, you know, without a traditional point guard, unless you consider Reggie. Jackson and traditional point guard, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the roster as constructed is as good as we really thought they were. There are a lot of great perimeter defenders and great wing players, but uh, I'm just not convinced yet about that guys.
0: I, I think it's absolutely funny how all of this talk went from, you need to downgrade in size to play small ball, to keep up with a team like Golden State to the point where it got to microball in Houston, to now right. everyone's right. saying how much size do they have around them to compete with a team like the Lakers. It's funny how the landscape, the conversation drastically shifts, not even within a year's time. We're talking about in a few months' time. About now all of a sudden there's a fire sale for for skilled size, and and that's why somebody like me who who wants to do this for, for a living, who is hopeful I can continue to do this for a living, who is someone who sits back and evaluates talent on a grand scale. I never thought that you shouldn't have size. I never shot that you should dra- thought that you should drastically shift your game plan and and your evaluation scale because you need to keep up with a team like Golden State. No, make Golden State adjust to what you have. Trust in the players that you bring in. Trust in how you evaluate and make someone else – have to adjust for you that's what the lakers did they trusted in the size that they had they said well fine we, we may not have the, the the best shot creators on the perimeter as another team might but we're going to pound you down low we're going to figure out how to use those guys we're going to figure out how to incorporate different motion style tricks within our offense and we're going to take advantage of the size that we have and we're going to beat you that way because we're going to out prep you we're going to outwork you we're going to outsmart you so I just I think it's so funny how all of a sudden these teams that wanted to back off of size now we have to go back to doing this. I I just think it's 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 a laughable point. I don't know if you guys had any last thoughts on that.
1: Well, I think it's going to be funny. I it, it's um that's actually the most interesting point, and I feel like it or one of the most interesting points. And I my mind immediately went when you said Golden State. I was just like, okay, well next year it's going to be a party. You know what I mean? Like next year. Next year, Golden State's going to have something to say about that. And I don't know. It's not – it doesn't have to be, to your point, it doesn't have to be a referendum on what style is the best or et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, okay, who are the dogs in the West? Who are coming out of the West? The Houston Rockets, it seemed like they just died with Daryl Moyes stepping down. Like, they're going to be a whole new – uh i I don't i don't you probably know way more about it than i do but
0: we don't know what they're going to be that's the thing we don't know we don't know who's going to take over that regime in the front office we still don't know who the coach is going to be we don't know what houston's going to be
1: right and but it's clear that they're probably going to be something different i heard rumors about i mean what's this rumors about westbrook getting traded to the knicks (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh,
0: Jesus! What? Um, Are you <laughs> yeah, that, That's out there, Scott. That that's out there. The the rumor, the, even more so than Westbrook, is that they're not willing to they're they're willing to take on a big contract to to, to kind of bring somebody in. Whether that's Chris Paul, whether that's a Russell Westbrook, there then then of course you have the rumors flying off of the rumors that if Chris Paul goes there, Melo might welcome a homecoming to the Knicks. There there there's a lot of stuff going on. With 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 the Knicks in terms of what they're actually going to try to do, what their plan is. There's a lot of rumors to come out of that. So yeah, that's that's actually happening, Scott. Sell the team. How you feel about
1: Westbrook to the Knicks, Scott? Hot take. <laughs> <We> got...
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, honestly, I I'd just be heartbroken for my man Westbrook. That he's just getting tossed around now from team to team. <laughs> I just I just that would I mean Oh, I would be so sad for him. I, I just wanted to be on a contender, but
1: yeah, it looks like, like he's where's being his home. In, yeah. yeah,
2: that's but a great he, question. I don't know if he, I don't know if he does.
1: I don't know if he even has a home. And he might, he might not. Honestly, I feel like he could benefit by going. I don't know where he would fit in, but to kind of wrap the thread of where I was going to Nate's point before, like I feel like he would benefit from going to like a Golden State and playing for like a Steve Kerr, so he can learn, so he can like finish out his career. Like, like understanding how to be efficient, in some Mm -hmm. sort. Um, but that's another conversation. But to to Nate's point, I feel like Golden State is gonna like I expect them to. I expect. I think Golden State. This may be a little bit too early, but I think Golden State is a Western Conference Finals team. I don't know who they're playing against, depending on who the Lakers either add or because the Lakers have some. They got some questions into the off heading into the off season too. But the the but Golden State's gonna. They got a high pick. Golden State is gonna have something to say for sure. And they are expecting to come out and be relentless.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um my uh Harford, do not bury the are the Knicks just yet in terms of this regime. Can can we have a little faith in a in a temple grad in, no. in, in Leon Rose, T for Temple U. Can we have a little faith, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's I'm getting to the point where like I, I, my, my heart is not compelled or moved by whether the Knicks live or die. It's just at this point, it's just like, I'm just, I, I just feel cold. Like, they're just cold. <laughs> it's a, just cold. Like, I feel no emotion. It's like, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard because right. they've just been so bad.
0: All right, that that says it all. I'm not going to let Harford drag himself into a dark place for this podcast. This is a happy podcast. <laughs> yeah, so it's Sunday morning, man. Yeah. We're that's, we're, that's 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 we're we're going we're going to bring this around to the basketball in the bubble. Um I thought the play-in games and the playoffs in total were some of the best basketball moments I can remember watching in more recent years for for not playing for 4 months and then coming in under multiple sets of circumstances to perform at that high of a level. I mean, it's nothing short of extraordinary, right? obviously offense ruled the day to start and through the first few rounds. But as we got to the conference finals and even the finals, it was the defense that ruled the day as teams got much more playing time with one another, got more familiar and adjusted with each other from a chemistry standpoint once again. And that's ultimately what defense is, along with effort, is communication. So, um, Harford, what, what, what did you think of the quality of basketball within the bubble and what would you grade the product as a whole if you had to slap a grade on there?
1: I'm sorry. Can you ask that question again?
0: No, you're, you're all good, man. So what, what did you think of the quality of basketball within the bubble and what would you grade the product as a whole? A plus plus man, like that, the, the whole bubble, the playoff basketball
1: really, I mean, they showed, they really did came out like putting everything else aside. Like, and this is like, it's something that you can't regard. And we'll probably, I mean, we've, we've all talked about it beforehand. And we, you know, we might dip into that before, but like the social politics that was surrounding it outside of basketball, like they weathered that immaculately and like they weathered that storm beautifully. And they still like the, the level of play in the like inside the bubble, starting with bubble TJ Warren, who just like who became a who became a different player entirely. <laughs> That's right. What he had like three or four 50 point games in a row, whatever. <laughs> like. He just went. He just went psycho. Like from the start, like the level of competition was just like you had. You had guys chattering. You had. You had Dame trash talking. You had the rise of the Trailblazers coming hot. Like Trailblazers were playing so hot that like even I mean Charles Barkley he picks every series wrong basically. But he was like he was guaranteeing he was guaranteeing that Portland was sweep the Lakers like Charles has crazy. an
0: unhealthy love for Portland just He's just, just on the general he, level. But.
1: he must have has he must have had some good he must have had some good road. Like he must have had some good road games in Portland. Like I don't know where he was going to the bars or whatever, the strip clubs or whatever. He must have been. He must have had himself a good time like during his playing career. But the product overall—that's the Not to get sidetracked, but the product overall, like a plus plus. Like they—they those guys were those guys were after it, and and we'll talk about Jimmy Butler. But like, like it literally it did so much. It was like it's fascinating to see. It did so much for certain players. Like this bubble. I don't know if it goes down the same way if COVID never happens. and well, it brought us happens. back to a
0: sense of normalcy. I mean, that that's that's what it did for everyone. Like, we didn't have, especially at the start of the bubble with the playing games, like, we didn't have football back yet.
1: We, no, we didn't have no, a lot no, of no, other no. sports
0: back yet. Base, baseball wasn't what it ended up being. There were uh, so many positive tests exploding with teams like the Phillies and the Marlins, where we didn't even know if baseball was going to end up being a thing and, and, and happen, and we had our questions about college sports. Where, where was college football even going to take off? But the NBA put the bubble together and we were all able to, to kind of come together, um, ha, have our own little firesides from, from whatever it was, a Zoom call standpoint, a text thread. Everybody was able to come together and watch these games and and sort of just feel like, holy, holy shit, we have sports back. Like we have something normal. Like it, it's incredible.
1: Yeah. And it, it was flawless. Like all, like all that, like I agree with everything you said. And it was like, it was kind of flawless. Like, I don't know where they made it any real, there was no, to my knowledge, there was no outbreak,
0: right? There's no outbreak, zero positive tests. Like, I
1: I mean, they had a couple infractions with, with dudes probably bringing groupies into the locker room,
0: but like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Scott, Scott, get in here. What are your thoughts?
2: Man, I, you know, I, I thought it was a good point, Harford, when you're talking about just like the effect of COVID had. And I mean, COVID's been been terrible for us, but one one positive thing was, uh, me being able to see Bull Bull in the starting lineup, I mean, that I was sold on the ball lever when I was able to see Jeremiah Grand and Bull Bull and Paul Sapp and, <laughs> and Mason Plumley and, and Jokic. I mean, that was that was crazy. And
0: the jumbo uh, lineup,
2: jumbo lineup, man. And, and seeing them hit a three, man, I, I, I needed that. Um, uh, you know, I, I think even since you know the Lakers and Clippers, I felt guys they set the tone with just a rock fight of a game going down to that last. Um, that last shot, which was a Paul George miss, maybe that was foreshadowing uh, for the for the rest of the bubble. But uh, you know that uh, the I mean uh, the Suns just you know eight and O just completely on a tear. Devin Booker um, just elevating um, and just also seeing that uh, that crazy Raptors uh, Nets game at the end of the bubble and just seeing Caris LeVert and Damian Lillard go at each other. I just thought they were great great games even leading up to the playoffs and. Uh, I absolutely agree with you, too, uh, that the bubble was was incredible. And a uh, A great for, from me, for sure.
0: And, and, and obviously, we have to talk about the world champion Los Angeles Lakers and, and recap the finals against the Miami Heat. I, I kind of want to start on the Miami side, though, um, that you boys both know there was a real point where I wanted to pick the Heat to upset the Lakers before the series started because of what Miami did through the Eastern conference playoffs. I, I, I gave you guys a rundown of what I thought about the teams in the East before the playoffs got going. And I didn't mention the heat whatsoever in that rundown and boy, did they make me look dumb. Um, I, I admittedly didn't think that they'd make it as far as they did because of the lack of experienced personnel in the biggest moments. But that didn't matter to anyone they faced. I, I, I said all along, Milwaukee had the best player in the conference. Toronto was the most prepared team to come into the bubble and the best coach. And and Boston had the greatest upside of any of the clubs because of their combination of talent and superb coaching from Brad Stevens. Well, it turns out, I, I need to amend that statement slightly, the most prepared and the best coach team turned out to be Miami all along. Um, the adjustments made from within game, game to game, were phenomenal um everyone constantly communicated with one another, worked hard and, and bought in and that started with Spo and that went down through Jimmy and Bam and the confidence they all instilled in guys like Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, that, that all seeped out even through the rest of the roster. It was utterly remarkable. So, um like I said, we'll get to the Lakers in a sec, but Scott, what were your thoughts on the Eastern Conference teams as a whole and what did you think of the run Miami put together to make the finals?
2: Man, guys, I, you know, I don't I don't know about you, but um, I just felt like we, injuries robbed us of a great Eastern Conference first round. And, you know, juxtapose that with the the Western Conference where you got, you know, two game sevens and a game six. I just felt that, you know, when it injured Sabonis, it injured Bill, uh, Ben Simmons, and it injured Katie and Kyrie, we would have had um, just three incredible first round, uh, first round games. But, um, you know, other than that, I thought I thought overall was a good uh, Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, I thought the you know the Raptors Celtics series was uh, you know was a classic. Definitely disappointed in the Celtics for not being able to close those first two games with against Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, you know I, I thought you know on that side they did their thing in the Heat. You know like you said Nate they were they were spectacular. You know I just didn't realize how great their ball movement was um, going back to the regular season. Uh, Tyler Hero dropping 37, you know, on the Celtics and and Duncan Robinson doing his thing and Jimmy Butler and Bam and, and Dragic playing absolutely out of their minds. It was, uh, it was actually incredible to watch the Heat do their thing. So, uh, they were great. Uh, condolences uh, to my man, Kevin Black. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough, tough ending for him, but but the Heat were great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh! Don't worry, Kevin's gonna get his chance to to hop back in here in, I always in a second. Do. He 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 always does. But Harford, um, what what were your thoughts on the Eastern Conference? The Eastern Conference, I I didn't get I didn't really
1: get the chance to 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 really catch the Eastern Conference too too much, especially in the in the earlier rounds, because I just felt like I think one I think it was because my I think I had a predisposition that it was either going to come down to. To Toronto or Boston. So that being said, I fully discounted uh, it. The Miami Heat ever making this illustrious run that they did, like they they were still off my radar pretty much until that Celtics series. And it's like it was it was it was just straight poetry, like what they were able to do, like that whole team. We know, like obviously, the pundits will talk about how you know we know how you know they don't. And I feel like it's honestly that conversation, just for decency's sake, is just kind of put to rest about Jimmy Butler being a number one or being a superstar or or you know whatever about especially after after he came from Philly, um. But it, it just like that, that what the organization put together—that's like that's what it looks like when the organization puts together. Was it fifteen or so guys that all are buying into the program, right? Which is what uh i don't know what i mean i know nate you got you have your strong opinions on philly but it's like if you're gonna win a title like the lakers did that's what you like you have to like like my like all those guys in miami are bought in and that like that was clear like playing through this bubble like when they were stacked up against other teams like not to say that like i mean in boston they're probably bought into but like you got, like, unchained dogs in Miami. You know what I mean? You got, like, you got straight Rottweilers that are just, like, that are just, like, that are just, itching, that are just itching to get after it. And, like, that mm. was clear and it was apparent and that was so much fun to see them, just, like, to see them just chase it down, man. They really, like, they really went out and, like, they 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 maintained a level of focus and they really, like, they really got after these dudes in the Eastern Conference. Like, they, like Miami came in and nobody really knew what hit them in these playoffs, man. Like, they... They drugged the other teams down to the deep and dark waters. It suffocated them. And they, like, it was a, like, we, we will, I mean, we'll remember a lot about this bubble for sure. But as far as, like, the East goes and, like, how the heat came out of it, how they crawled out of the swamp, like, they, they, that, like, the heat, the Miami Heat were a swamp creature that just that, that <laughs> crawled out of the sewer. Nobody saw them coming. And they just, like, <laughs> they, they, they drowned them all. And like that, we will give them respect. I feel. I feel like we all agree. We will give them respect for that. Like for that alone, regardless of the fact that they didn't win the title. And I know that, like from an execution standpoint, you love them for that reason. And that was something that was very like I didn't even I didn't see nor notice that until like until basically like the Celtics series. But I know that you were like from from a pure X's and O standpoint, you love the execution and you love what Spo did and put together. And honestly, it's larger conversation for like. For for Spo too, like, I, he's like I, I don't know I don't know if if he has his respect around the basketball world, but like I, it, it maybe if he gets another one, we're talking like Hall of Fame coach, like, man's paid his dues, like he's he he's 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 up there. Let,
3: let no, me the... hop in real quick. Let me hop in real quick. He's already a Hall of Fame coach. Okay. All right,
0: I see you, I see you Kevin. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think I actually <laughs> agree with, with Kevin on that point. And the, the, the thing that, that we've brought up, I, I guess the key word is, is mental, right? I mean, when you're able to study the game at that high of a level, th- think about it. Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra, two guys that paid their dues and put the grind in in the film, film room. They're both addicted to watching studying the game they can't get enough of it think about some of the other great coaches that that can come to to my mind off top of my head i mean another guy like brad stevens gay absolutely his celtics still put up a fight against miami um in the eastern conference playoffs here somebody like rick carlisle from the western conference the 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 mavericks harford i know you were high on the mavericks all year and, and in your own right you absolutely should be going into the next season because they're led by um, and, and all generational talent, and Luka Doncic, who prides himself off of playing the game at an incredibly high level from a mental standpoint, and he's backed by a coach who will just literally live in the film room, and that's all he'll do all day is just sit there, uh, wh- wh- whether it's booting up synergy, wh- whatever he's doing to watch film. I mean, that's that's just what he's doing. That's what he lives. That's what he believes in. Right. So, when when you approach the game from from that level, and then on the court you combine that sort of mental toughness, that willingness to play mental warfare with the preparation that you did going into those games. And you combine that with, with that dog, that dog mentality that everybody from Miami had that, that is a special, special creature. I think that's what the Lakers pretty much did to everybody too. They, they were just outplaying everyone from a mental warfare standpoint, but I mean, I, go, going even deeper in, into the finals, um, the, the listeners who, who got a chance to catch my finals pot, as I mentioned earlier with Jacob last week, how I felt about the series as a whole, in terms of thinking it was much closer than the record indicated heading into game five. I mean, Miami gave LA a, a real dogfight worth documenting, despite not having the same physical stature and experience to compete with LeBron and company on the other side. Um, a number mm-hmm. of metrics were either dead, even, or very close apart, um, from, from a few that Jacob got around to mentioning Then game five happened right? No, no. no, Jimmy Butler happened. Actually. I I, I don't think I can recall (laughs) one player giving LeBron a haymaker like that in the finals. Obviously he's lost to great teams in San Antonio and Golden State. Durant gave him the business a bit. So did Kawhi defensively, but neither of those guys mimicked his approach to the game and basically out LeBron LeBron the way Jimmy did. It, It was honestly one of the most special things to watch. And I couldn't have been more thrilled to, to have to watch LeBron overcome that type of challenge. So, um, I mean, Scott, what were your impressions of Jimmy in the finals? And, and do you think he might have been the single greatest challenge from a one man army perspective LeBron has had to face in the finals? Or do you still give more credit to what Kawhi and KD did against him in wins? Because I think just speaking from that single player outlook, Jimmy gave LeBron the most he's ever had to directly go up against in the finals. And quite frankly, up until the very end, Butler was a better contributor in my mind than LeBron in the series as a whole.
1: I mean,
2: you know, just, I mean, you said it, I mean, Jimmy absolutely mimicked his uh, LeBron's approach. And I thought game three was a great example of that. I mean, a 40 point triple double, uh, I'm pretty sure he had more rebounds and assists than LeBron as well. Uh, and LeBron just not being able to execute down the stretch and Jimmy, you know, really did his thing. So he was phenomenal in Game Three. Uh, I mean, Game Five, Jimmy Jimmy was great. I mean, thirty plus point triple double as well. I thought LeBron was just as great as he was. I, the Lakers just weren't able to get that last um, that last possession. So you know, I, it was. I mean, he he was he was absolutely incredible. And I didn't know Jimmy even had a level like that. So I mean, was he the best? Uh, you know, one man you know, and career Lebron had to go up against. Um, I would say, you know, I, 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 I would have to say yes. you know, obviously Katie's a more talented player, and, and you know, in 2017 and 2018, uh, Katie absolutely took over both those game threes, but um, Katie just had more help. So I feel like you have to give it to Jimmy, but, uh, but, I, but again, I only think he out LeBron LeBron in only game three and not game five.
3: Can I hop in for a second? I was actually just gonna to go
0: to you, Kevin. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll can I, um, in a second,
3: but. yeah, d- don't get me wrong. I uh I think Jimmy did great, but I think we're forgetting one performance in the finals that's probably better than all of them. Can we just remember Dirk when he played against mm, the Brown? Like right, Dirk right. Dirk like killed true. the heat in the series in the finals. I think I think we can't forget about that. I mean, if you look at all the stats, like I don't think we've ever really seen one man carry a team quite like Dirk did that playoff theory or that yeah right like
0: that is true I I I guess from a statistical standpoint I, I I guess we'd probably have to give it to Dirk um I I just think just taking a look at how Jimmy did it like having having to out LeBron LeBron, as I said, that's just that's just an incredibly special moment for me because Scott made a great point. I don't think any of us really knew that Jimmy had that level of hit. Um, and and as a player, when when you can even be mentioned in a conversation like that in a discussion in terms of how you're playing the game and how you're approaching the game with a guy who could end up ending his career as the best player we've we've ever seen. In, in nba history by the time it's actually all said and done i mean that that is special special stuff and and what dirk did what was special in in his own right i mean what what he did combining scoring from all three levels from being automatic at the free-throw line having that unstoppable fadeaway move that that no one was able to to guard or bother i mean we at that time we were comparing that that turnaround one one-legged fadeaway to like kareem skyhook for crying out loud in terms of like how unstoppable it was at that time. So no, Kevin, that, that was, that was an incredibly well-timed point by you. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that. Um, And, and you brought up that point, but what were your um thoughts to kind of wrap it up about, about Jimmy? I mean, I think we
3: talked about this on the podcast so many times, Nate, Uh, we both did. I mean, as a Miami fan, like, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of faith in them, but I didn't expect us to make it as far as we did. When when Bam went down and Djokic went down in the first game of the final, I thought it was gonna be honestly a sweep. Like I thought we were just done for. And I'm glad that we had a lot of heart. I mean, we played with Heat culture, which is what you what they always do. The Heat are known for playing tough no matter what the circumstances are. And as well as Jimmy played, I think he can get better. I think the very large potential yeah. that we can go back in the East again and win it next year. Yeah, Brooklyn's gonna be there with Katie and Kyrie, but. I don't trust Kyrie at all. I don't think any of us do. Yeah, Giannis could leave. <laughs> yeah. Giannis could leave. I know Boston's looking at trade opportunities, so who knows what they're going to be like next year. Who knows what Philly's going to be? Who knows if Ben and Joel are going to be there still? The East is kind of in turmoil right now so
0: who's going to do what? It-, it wouldn't really surprise me if Miami repeated in the East. Harford, before we fully move off of Miami, please jump in here. Give me that Jimmy Butler love. Give me that Jimmy Butler over Paul George talk because I know you got it. Oh no, yeah,
1: absolutely. No, Jimmy Butler is—I I mean, to everyone else's point, like valid. Like, didn't know to Scott's point, didn't know he had this level. To Kevin's point, he could also get—he could also age like fine wine and 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 level up like in the next couple of seasons here. I think what's fascinating to me about Jimmy Butler is, you have to, like, we all have to remember and acknowledge, like, this was a dude who I think, like, I mean, Nate, I know, like, you're, I, I know your sentiments are, are, like, firmly rooted in Sixers basketball, and so maybe you have a different opinion, but I feel like at least on a larger, on a larger scale, um, the talking heads, like, I feel like they were, I feel like Jimmy, I feel like they gave, like, Jimmy Butler was, like, it was kind of like a stain on his name, like, after Philly. Like, he had a short stint, like, got traded. Like, there seems to be, you know what I mean? Like, he was in Minnesota. He was perceived and labeled as difficult. And then he went to Philly, and it was just, like, he just didn't seem really seem to fit in anywhere. And it's, like, it was so, like, the wins and losses aside, like, it was just awesome to see him. You know, we talked about, like, Westbrook not having a home. Like, he had never been – I mean, Westbrook had a home at OKC, obviously. And they loved him there but like this is like truly maybe he had that in Chicago but I don't truly I don't really remember because that was just such a long time ago um, maybe he had a home in Chicago and maybe he maybe that's where he but he wasn't you know he he wasn't he wasn't the same that wasn't that was a different Jimmy Butler then um, but it's just been awesome to see him come into his own with you know like Kevin said, like around and rally around heat culture and have him be embraced and have and have him embrace you know, the, the cultures and the values that, that, you know, that, that, that starts with Pat Riley. So I, yeah, that's like my big takeaway. is just like, he was like, he was kind of like, you know, this heat season, I feel like he kind of went under the radar and everybody, like a large part of the narrative was the large part of the heat narrative this season in general was like, okay, nobody's really, you know, nobody, nobody's really, nobody's really considering them seriously as contenders. Um, and for that reason, you gotta you kind of have to feel like Jimmy Butler was kind of like he was kind of playing for his name. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, after 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 everything that preceded him in the past.
0: Yeah, no, I I I certainly agree with that as well. And and I you 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 know that we talked plenty of times, but I thought he should have had a home in Philly. Um I, I certainly wanted him with the Sixers. I know there was obviously a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes, why he chose to ultimately um end up in a different place, end up in Miami. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of the, the larger media outlets did take the time at one point to to slander him for making that decision to to leave again, to to go somewhere else because they thought that maybe he, he couldn't have a home. Maybe he was that difficult of a person where he was never going to have another proper home in the league. And I think you, you made a point about Chicago. Yeah, he was absolutely um, loved in, in Chicago when he was there because he grew up with that team, right? Like, he he went from not playing any minutes a game to getting a certain role to exploding out of that role and becoming a star for that team. And the whole reason why he was traded from Chicago in the first place was that they didn't feel like he was worth the the contract they didn't feel like they could build a championship contender around them and they they traded him to to Minnesota for what has essentially become peanuts and <laughs> and I, I I mean when when you take a look at what he's done in Miami now well clearly he's good enough to galvanize the team to go to the finals because he, he he just did it he literally just did it so um yeah his, his reputation has certainly t- had its ups and downs but I think hopefully, at least now, it, it, it's kind of been, been given some new light and people can stop talking about the difficult Jimmy Butler and maybe embrace him more for who he is, someone who just wants to come in, do whatever it takes to win games because that's what he's there for. He's not there for just landing the biggest contract he can. He's not there for um, all of the celebrity that, that comes along with it. He's there to work, he's there to grind, and he's there to, he's there to win basketball games, and I applaud him for it. I've kind of always been a Jimmy Butler fan, probably not as much as I should, just just given some of my rankings that I've mentioned a few times here on this podcast. But yeah, I've always admired Jimmy Butler for the kind of person he is, um, what, what he grew up through, what he came out of in his personal life. To become what he is today it's one of the great stories to, to any listeners out there who haven't read through the jimmy butler story from from where he started from his, his his teenager days all the way through to now there there have been multiple um great long-form pieces written on his backstory please go out there and read one of them or or all of them if you're that much of a Jimmy Butler fan, because. Well, what he's gone through from a personal perspective is inspiring and it's encouraging to to anyone out there who maybe they feel like they don't have a place, a proper place in this world. Maybe, maybe they're feeling down on themselves. They don't believe that they can put in the work and actually get somewhere. Well, you know what? Yeah, Jimmy Butler might be a little more physically gifted than some of us out there, but what what Jacob talked about on on our podcast last week was that he's probably not one of like the top ten most physically gifted athletes in the NBA, but he's accomplished his goals and, and made a name for himself in so many other different ways um, and, and left an imprint on the game. And I think it's important to, to recognize that sometimes that it's more about the work and the effort and the belief in yourself than it is just pure talent. Yeah. And I, to
2: even, you know, add on um, what all, all three of you guys were saying, you know, not only was it, you know, Jimmy kind of embracing that heat culture, it was great to see him getting that love back too. Um, whether it be Tyler Hero saying, you know, we want to, I want to win this finals for Jimmy. Um, Coach Spo, how he was, like, glowing about Jimmy. And, you know, when he's hunched over, over that scoring table, saying this is a picture of a champion before a champion. And, um, you know, and Jimmy wearing, going from wearing Tyler Hero's you know, high school jersey to wearing Spoh's old college jersey, it was it was great to see that um, he received that love, and and he just, like, freely reciprocated it, too. So uh, as a person I wanted, you know, like you, Nate, wanted Jimmy to, and a home in philly it's just it's amazing to see how much they love him and how much he loves his team and how perfect that culture fits him. So uh i'm so i'm so happy for him
0: absolutely absolutely and 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 as for the lakers we we obviously can't overlook the 2020 nba champions i mean lebron and ad were the best duo throughout the regular season and in the playoffs to me that that's not much of a surprise from a talent standpoint I'm actually impressed. We didn't see a major injury from from AD through the majority of the championship run because he hasn't exactly had health on his side during his career. But I suppose he was due for a bit of luck to uh, to rest on his side with that, right? But, but through the year, I said I would have voted LeBron for MVP. I would have voted AD for Defensive Player of the Year. And I thought the Lakers would be the best team from the start. They were my preseason pick, and they won it all. So, um, Harford, I'll start with you. Were you guys surprised at all that that— ended up being what happened? Were you expecting another team from either conference to, to take the crown or another player to take it away from LeBron?
1: From the very start, I felt like it was LeBron's championship to lose. Um, and it was very theatrical the whole way it played out with, with COVID interrupted the season, because then, uh, obviously, we all know that the last dance dropped, and that just re- reinvigorated and reignited and just... Doubts flames all over the conversation about, you know, about LeBron being better than Jordan, Jordan being better than LeBron, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt like more than anything, I wasn't expecting. I mean, the Clippers were out there, but again, to, to our point, to my point in the, you know, and when we, where we first started up about, about the Clippers and Paul George being that too, I thought when it, I thought when it came down to it, I never really, even if it went to a game seven, if we were to get a, um, in order to get the Lakers and Clippers Western Conference Finals um I, I didn't I I never had faith in, in in Paul George's ability to deliver so I thought that the Clip, I I never really took them seriously as contenders I had a friend I uh, interesting you at you you talk about like other teams like the, the expectations of other teams like upsetting that like the narrative of the Lakers winning the championship It's funny because my friend uh he made he made a really interesting point to me he said um he said we rarely in basketball we rarely get the matchups that like all the pundits and all of us are like that, that we really want you know what i mean like we never got uh, a high stakes lebron and kobe uh final for example um like th- those kind of things like elude. like as much as we get we we do get a lot of the guys going head to head like a lot of the times but it's like we it throughout history i think there's like there's a trend of like of um like we yeah we just don't get we don't get the matchup that we we don't really ever get the matchup that we thought that we would and that's like I mean piggybacking off of the Miami Heat conversation, I mean nobody that just upset everybody else's bracket too. So um but the Lakers yeah I I, I thought that I, I thought that the Lake I thought that the only thing that could beat the Lakers in the championship in this championship run was the Lakers themselves and I didn't I I thought what concerned me most was that the Lakers going into the bubble were not a shooting team, and I think that the first couple weeks of the bubble, or maybe the first week, like the first couple games that they had, reflected that they were just like they they were just very rusty, especially compared to the rest of the league. And you had teams like the Portland, like popping off, and like they were just and, and guys like in uh, in teams like Phoenix, you know what I mean, that were just like and in Dallas, um, and it's interesting. It's fascinating to watch their, like, their pattern, the Lakers, how they, how they became an efficient shooting team, like, over each playoff series and each playoff rounds. And, mm-hmm. a lot, and that's a lot, in part, I feel like we've had conversations about this in the past due to LeBron's leadership and his trust and his encouragement in the guys, which he didn't, which, by the way, he didn't have last year.
0: Well, yeah, that's why they went and made a new roster, but...
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. His like his
1: patience, you know, I, I think there were some quotes attributed to Rondo that were just like, you know, I had to I had to let LeBron know that his body language and chemistry around the guys like he you know what I mean to keep that. Yeah, it, it, it was just like yeah. th- this was honestly from top to bottom. This was a legacy roster, man, like the like credit to the Laker staff and organization because nobody, you know, we were all throwing stones at uh, at Gene bus and Palenka you know what I mean? In the off season, because it seemed like the moves that they were making, and we were just like, at least the larger part of the NBA, that was the conversation. Like they really did build, like at least if they, if they don't repeat whatever, but like, as far as like this season alone, they made a legacy roster.
0: I love that comment from, from Rondo though, because that just shows you that we're all human at the end of the day. Right. We're all, we all make mistakes. We all need to keep learning and, and, and keep bettering how we interact And keep in mind with one another because what what one person needs in terms of encouragement, in terms of keeping them driven towards a goal, is going to be completely different than what the next player needs. And I think LeBron's done a great job of managing that throughout the majority of his career. But sometimes there's going to be bumps in the road, especially when you're in a situation like the bubble where there are so many other aspects coming at you from a mental standpoint that you, you need to stay grounded and, and need to keep different things in mind for, for different people in a different way than what you're used to throughout the course of the 82-game the regular season um, where, where things are normal and then a, a normal playoff atmosphere. Um, and then your point about uh, getting a matchup that maybe we didn't necessarily like want from the start, but I think we got the playoff matchup and the finals matchup that we ultimately deserved. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Scott?
2: Yeah, you know, real quick, going off of Harper's point, uh, we didn't get that Ravens-Chiefs matchup here like we wanted. So uh, when you said that, I felt that, bro. <laughs> oh, that—that hurts. That thats that that hurt, is, that
0: is, hurt. that true. Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick always has to weasel his way in there to 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 ruin something for the pundits. But
2: right, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, no, I, I agree with uh, Nate Harper. I think you guys, you know. Spoke really well about that. Um, and I'm glad that there was some accountability to, to LeBron. And I think that was, you know, essentially 2016, having Ty Lue, uh, being able to kind of go out LeBron and keep him accountable. It was great that you had someone like Rondo that could do the same. Uh, I remember, guys, I remember, I think it was Richard Jefferson talking about LeBron's leadership style. And he was saying that LeBron would, you know, gather everyone go to all these events, you know, put their, put his arm around them and and really try to build a relationship so that when he yells at you in the playoffs, you know, there's already an established relationship. So, you you know, it's nothing, really nothing personal. And um, I just thought that bond, man, that the Lakers built as just as a, as a unit off the court, was just perfect um, for the bubble, Um, whether it be, you know, those Madden tournaments that they were having um, or just watching, you know, filming together, together in each other's rooms. I just felt, that type of leadership of LeBron and keeping that group together just almost made like the role players kind of greater than some of their parts. So um, they were great. The LeBron and AD pick and roll is, is, is unstoppable. Um, And I just thought I was so impressed with, with Rondo and Caruso um, and, you know, Dwight Howard in the the Nuggets series. So um, I think, you know, LeBron effect really um, made its way down. And I think it also helped with A.D. and helping A.D. fight through those, those, uh, those injuries, too. So um, LeBron is spectacular. He deserves um, deserves all the credit uh, that, he, that he's getting.
0: No, he, he does. And he orchestrated the, the, the talent on the Lakers all year long. He helped move the chess pieces around the board to, to where they needed to be. He knew how to take advantage of Anthony Davis and, and maximize his abilities on both offense and defense to the fullest, and he, he was the captain, he was the leader. He steered the ship in the right direction all year long, and he deserved to be finals MVP. He deserves all the praise now. Um, that, that's just who LeBron is. And at the end of the day, that's what we expect from him, right? I, I think we expect that level of greatness from him at this point because he's he's proven in so many different situations that he could do it. And I, I, was, I for one, was certainly happy to see him get another championship. I, I thought he deserved it. Um, all of the LeBron quote-unquote hate that I might have piled on him from his days choosing to go to Miami all the way through to now. I mean, I, I've grown to respect him a lot more as the years have gone on because I think we've seen him literally grow up and mature and handle things in a completely different way, um, whether it's on the court or off the court, than maybe we might have expected, right? Like him him building the the, the, the school that he did. Um, for, for, for young people to come in and, and learn more about the world and, and be educated in, in a safe space, in a proper space, um, what he's done for charity work, the, what he's meant for people just as an icon, um, as someone to be able to look up to. Like I, I think LeBron's scope goes far beyond basketball, and it's, it's truly remarkable and impressive what, what he's done. And, and to anyone who said that the Lakers weren't going to get a championship with, with, with him at the forefront, I mean, they, they, they kind of look foolish now, right? Because he did it. Um, he did it with a completely different roster. He did it through chemistry building, through film work, through teamwork. And that's that's the right way to do it. Um, you, you brought up a great point, Scott, about galvanizing the troops and being able to, to talk to people and work with them in your workspace outside of the job to build those relationships so that when you come into work, you know that you have that trust and that accountability on the other side of you, right? You, you at the very least have that respect for one another. Maybe you don't love each other all the time. Maybe you're not buddy-buddy talking all the time. But if you have that personal relationship with everyone, um, you at least have that mutual respect and you can work together to to achieve a greater goal. And, and that's something that can be taken away from from basketball. That's something that can be taken away from anyone in any walk of life. Um, if you have respect for one another, you can certainly accomplish great things. Um, and, and And I actually think that's a great segue to the last... Main point and topic that I wanted to cover. While I have the two of you here, um, I want the last topic to be a tad bit bigger than basketball because we wouldn't be the friends that we are without being able to have conversations that exist off the court and and through the restart and through everything happening in the country with COVID 19, with social unrest. The the players wanted to make a stand for what they believe in, and quite frankly, I think they did that successfully. Um, between everything the league did to support them in terms of giving them a platform to speak out what players set out to do before and now after they came in the bubble. I I think it's great to see guys expressing thoughts and expounding upon things that are more than X's and O's and and using your platform for the things that matter in life is to be commended. And I, for one, will never tell someone to, to not stand for what they believe in, regardless of my personal thoughts and feelings. And and I think what NBA players have done is, is give hope to the guys coming into the league. Again, this is a draft oriented podcast, first and foremost, um, but but they've given hope to those guys to not be afraid to speak out on the platform they have right now in their communities, on college campuses, and in interviews they might have with, with, with media personalities or league executives. So the last question I kind of want to ask the both of you, Harford, I'll start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what the players in the league have done as a whole, and what do you think they've been successful in? Uh, do you think they've been successful in conveying the message to to younger players? We're okay with you standing for a cause and expressing your opinion to spark change in the country you call home. Whew. man, that was deep. Big, where big, I big, loaded question. Big words for the end. Big man. words, yeah.
1: I mean, I mean that's kind of. I mean, to your point, I mean, big question for the end. It's just like, it's emblematic of 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 where we're at at this point in time, I and mean, we're in a moment, and it's not going anywhere, and it's it's kind of like. I don't wanna say it's unavoidable because I feel like that, that gives it a negative connotation, but like and I felt like the NBA players deeply felt this way. I know we talked about like COVID and like all the talks that went down in the bubble, you know, as the players were coming back, uh as the players were deciding whether or not to come back to the league and play basketball. Um they had to make a lot of really tough choices and I I know it's always um it's always really easy to scrutinize them in the moment, uh. You know about how Adam Silver decided to handle things and how the league and how the players decided to, you know, to to to, to restart the league. Um, but it was really wonderful what they. It's really wonderful what they all did in spite of that because we're talking about just like a large group of people and an entire organization and Adam Silver did that was uh that was a uh, i felt like it was just a, it was a wonderful example of the commissioner letting the players like like i don't i i want to say like an unprecedented level of 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 an unprecedented uh, amount of voice and and an unprecedented like a uh, level of level of um of autonomy like around leadership you no, it I mean? was like because this, every, every other
0: sports league started to follow their lead in terms of exactly. like the players have that platform, put stuff on the back of a jersey or a helmet, whatever the case may be. Everyone else took the lead of the NBA. So, no, you're right. It is unprecedented.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it was like we all – know. like what do, what do everyone what – what do we all say about the league, about these leagues all the time? It's like the NBA is a star and player-driven league. But it's never really – it's honestly we say that. But in the past, before all this bubble stuff happened, it's never really, it's never really been, exemp- it been exemplified like it has been in this bubble when the players truly got to, you know, they got to put whatever they wanted to on the back of their jersey. You know, you right. had like Luka Doncic, like he had, I, I guess that was in like native Slovenian, like he, I, I don't know what it meant, but like he had Could something on the back day. of his jersey. Yeah, yeah. right. Thank you. Um, so it's just like the players really got a voice and they really, and they, I thought, yeah, I mean, to answer your question in a simplified manner, it's just like there's so much else that's going to go into it and we're, we'll only be, I feel like history will only be more kind to them as we, you know, as we, as we look, as, you know, as we look back on this time, but it's just like it, it that was, they they did something, they, they did something that was very hard to do. They gave, and they gave everyone a voice. And I feel like they did it in a manner in which like, they, I, I yeah, I'm I'm still, yeah, I I'm still struggling to. I'm still struggling to. To to understand how they did all that they did while all, while all, I guess standing up for the same message. That's very impressive.
0: It, it's 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 remarkable to to say the least, and I think your point about it being unprecedented on this individual level where each player is able to to sort of create this own platform and have it play out both on and off the court it, it's never happened before i mean there there have been some special moments that we can look back on in nba history when especially when it comes to um social unrest and social justice like you you could go back the old heads would, would know these stories much better than i would about the days of Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, them being able to mm. to speak out off the court for certain things that, that they believe in and what they want to see happen in the country. Um, you can fast forward to everything that happened with Donald Sterling and the, the, the Clippers taking their stand and leaving their mark on the court by taking off their 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 warm-up jerseys and putting them in a pile, stating the, the kind of having that message that they they didn't want to play for an owner like that. They they see they see things differently. They want there to to be justice, and they want there to be equality in the league that that they play in, from from an ownership perspective. And and now you have everything going on in the country, and you have each player being able to have their own individual platform and their own confidence in that brand and platform because they they they're literally backed by the league. The league is letting them express themselves on an individual level and on a team level in, in ways that that haven't happened before. And I think that confidence. That comes from that is encouraging to to younger players. And, and Scott, I'll let you jump in here in a second with all of your thoughts. But I mean, it's even seeping out to um, high level prospects um, that, that are choosing to, to go to HBCUs. And I think that's absolutely re- re- remarkable. Speaking up for a greater message, um, showing that there can absolutely be Um, a a, a lot better diversity things just don't have to be you know black and white this is how they've been for forever this is how they're going to be um switching up the game and 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 changing it and and having a better social platform and and more confidence to do that because of where the league is going i think it's remarkable um what what are your kind of thoughts on some of that scott
2: yeah nate I, i thought you made a great parallel to you know the moment when um you know jacob Blake shot um you know, shot like seven times, and and just how kind of the parallel between that and I think 1968, where um, Will and, and Bill Russell were trying to figure out if they wanted to, um, MLK was uh, was assassinated. It was man, Harper, I, I agree so much. I, I think what they're you know what they're balancing being isolated, being away from their families and away from their communities, and trying to figure out how to. Uh, um and that change was, um, was remarkable and obviously not perfect, um. In the sense of, I mean, you're you're already isolated in the bubble and you know emotions running high. You know, we, we kind of touched on that earlier with um, people walking out in meetings and and younger players felt feeling that people were being condescending to them. But um, I think that they had the right people in their corner. I remember there was a piece about. Um, you know, LeBron and, and Chris Paul talking to uh, President Obama and, and being able to just kind of get some clarity and figuring out how they wanted to approach owners to get their, their message across. So I think the players set up a blueprint on how to um, get their leagues and owners to um, commit and partner with them for different societal changes. Um, and also, I guess we'd also be remiss to not mention the WNBA was... I mean, they were as uh, maybe even more so, you know, even more so at the forefront of this, and 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 really um, trying to, to spark change as well. So it was great to see them, you know, do that in union. And I think now this is a president, and and I think now um, different leagues have a uh, a greater they have greater clarity clarity in how they want to approach it. And then uh, we also saw how this helped spark, you know. You know, sparking the, the NFL as well, and and having teams uh, demanding change and 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 things of that nature. So, um, yeah, this was this was this was a big deal, and and also I thought the players handled it well, and and probably will handle it really well going forward.
0: Harford, any any other last thoughts on that subject?
1: Uh Scott made a really made a phenomenal point. With the WNBA, because we can't, when we go back and revisit how this all happened, like it started, like NBA, the NBA definitely sparked a movement that, like, even spread as far as like you had NHL, like, they were like, they sparked a wave of change throughout professional sports in general.
2: Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. And see, and then NASCAR too, right? Was that, but was the Bubba Watson stuff
1: during quarantine, or am I? uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, the Bubba Watson stuff, yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in the WNBA, it's just like I love the the communication that the stars from the NBA and the WNBA had. Like you had, um, I think like you had, uh, I believe it was Kyrie who like who don't I think he matched the salaries of the WNBA players who didn't uh who didn't play like for during the restart. Like you just had a whole bunch of phenomenal. I don't know. It just brought out the very best in a lot of players and 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 in you know the and. The ownership, even if even if it seemed like the players at time did have to twist the arms of the owners, you know what I mean? Because the stuff is like, it, it 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 is what it is. Like we, you know, we don't have to, you know, spray perfume over it by any means. But it's just like, I think that from a commissioner standpoint, like Adam Silver has just done a Adam Silver has. It's like, it's almost weird saying this because like, uh, I think I saw Chris Rock a couple weeks ago it's like humanity isn't progress like we should just all like humanity should just be normalized you know what i mean like it's just be a very regular thing that's just expected of people but it's like adam Silver. like we adam silver has been like this isn't a referendum on the other commissioners that came before adam silver but the amount of communication and the amount of autonomy that he that that he's allowed like to his players to have it's just like i it, and it's been a blessing that, that, that we're finally getting to see that, you know.
2: Hartford, yeah, that's such a great point about Adam Silver. Remember the beginning of the year, he did the free Hong Kong to the bubble at the end. Like, what an insane year for Adam Silver.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're managing a lot. You're like, okay, how do, how do we be marketable? How do we brand ourselves? Okay. How do we still, you know, how do we still maintain integrity? But how do we still? Okay. What are the players who are who are representing our brand of basketball? What do they care about, et cetera, et cetera? It's just a lot, and yeah, it's just like I. But the yeah, the, I guess the the because the, you're talking about like especially in the WNBA, which is not talked about too much entirely. But there's a lot of a lot of a lot of the women who decided not to come back and play. Um, and maybe this is getting to a to a different topic altogether but a lot of the women who decided not to come back at play I mean you know, obviously the contracts are a lot smaller in women's basketball and so you had a, a lot of I feel like there were a lot of tough choices that had to be made um during this time and I like I um so the the story that I'd read or you know that Kyrie like matching the the WNBA the WNBA player salary I, I love that um I don't know that that just like um I don't know. You you just love to see good 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 actions like that because it it's just um it's it's an unparalleled time and it's unprecedented and we're all you know like these we we love we love to watch everybody we love to watch all these cats go out and play basketball but like at the end of the day, um some of them are playing basketball and put food on the table and uh, it, it's just a, hopefully we see more of that going forward, like COVID or not.
0: No, there were, there were a lot of great financial gestures. That was a huge one by, by Kyrie Irving um, that, that was done in, in, in more recent um, months, Mike, that, that was to be commended regardless of how you feel about some of the things that, that Kyrie has, has said and done, especially over recent years. Um, that's certainly an action that's to be commended and something that you would um, hope to see continue. In, in in the future here, um, I, I can think of guys like like Joel Embiid and Zion Williamson back when COVID really hit a lot of these teams. And and, and naturally, they couldn't have people coming in to, to work their, their normal office jobs or their ticket jobs. And there were so many different layoffs that were even happening um, within these teams that some of these players were coming out and say, you know what, e- even if the owner um, or, or the ownership groups aren't going to pay um, the, these people's weekly checks, you know what, I want to come out and do that. And, and that those are also actions to, to be commended. And it's, it just goes to show that there are good people that, that play in these leagues, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the WNBA, there are good players, there are good people, there are good team organizers, there, there, are, there are good ownership groups who have people first and foremost um, at the top of the ledger to be taken care of and all of their actions are to be commended. Um, I, I couldn't be happier with, with where the league is going right now, from, from a social standpoint, from a, a visibility standpoint, I think what Adam Silver's done to to navigate the NBA is, is truly impressive stuff. And I'm glad that, that we were able to have that conversation because it's important to not just focus on the X's and O's, but to focus on everything else going around the sport because it is a sport that that's rooted in normal daily life. And it's something that at the end of the day, we can all be fans, we can all be a part of it. But there's other things to focus on um, that affect us a lot more in in terms of hours of the day than than the game of basketball. So Um, Guys, I I just want to say I'm I'm very thankful to have the both of you in my life as I embark on this journey of of creating a platform that can hopefully educate others on the nuances uh, of scouting and player development. Um, I love the game of basketball with all of my heart, and and I hope to be doing this and working in the sport for a very long time. And I certainly want to have both of you back on in the near future so we can continue to have conversations like we had today, from start to finish, because that's what it's all about doing it for the love of the game. So uh, I thank the both of you for coming on the show today and in helping to grow the platform um, of draft deeper guys. Did you have any other thoughts before um, we close out here? I'll let you go ahead, Scott.
2: Yeah, I'm just incredibly proud, uh, proud of you, Nate, Uh, you know, and Kevin, this is like incredible endeavor. and, And I think you guys are doing a great job. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited, man. Just to, to kind of see how uh, everything takes off. So, uh, man, I got love for 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 everyone, uh, you know, on this, and and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, catching up with you guys all soon.
0: Absolutely, appreciate the love, brother, Harford.
1: Yeah, I got love for y'all too, man. I I I love. I you know, I I truly do. You know, we might not always the the the, the three of us. We might always, not always keep in touch and whatever, but having us on for this podcast and talking about, you know, having us bond over basketball and the social issues and stuff like that, man, like I use, I use the example of our friendship, the three of us, because I know we have such different views on a lot of things. I use our, our friendship as an example. And I feel like that is just, that's symbolic of this podcast and it's symbolic of a much larger conversation of, you know, the fact that we can exist while holding such different viewpoints and whatnot. So like, I speak highly of y'all whenever, like, you know what i mean like whenever i walk out of my apartment and i like you know what i mean i hold that i hold that heavy in my heart so i just uh i'm always i'm thankful i thank you nate for having us on for having for giving us opportunity to do this um it's just it's special it will never be taken for granted
0: always 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 um kevin on a lighter note do you have any hot takes that that, that we need that we need to get off for chess you usually have something <laughs> at the end of the podcast uh, let's Lando go kevin. ball
3: is better than paul george all right <laughs> <That's
0: okay. laughs> well now, now we know that we've gone off the rail but now we need to <laughs> wrap it up so um to, to the listeners you, you can also show your support doing the same thing by subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts be it apple spotify youtube Uh, Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at DraftDeeper for daily thoughts and musings regarding um, basketball as a whole. Um, I thank all of you for tuning in as always. Have a great week, everyone.